This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. I hope you're doing good. hope you're doing well this Tuesday. <laughs> you know, I was looking yesterday at the fixture list of now we're out of the FA Cup. Sorry to bring the tone of the show down immediately. But uh, <laughs> I worked out that between the Burnley game and the Wolves game, because we don't have that FA Cup fixture, we've got to go something like 18 days without Arsenal. I mean, and that will come right at the end of the end of the January window. We'll have a week of January window to kind of, you know, tie us over. But then there's 10 days between <laughs> the start of Feb and when we actually play. And it's not like we can even have a game rescheduled in those weeks because all of the teams that we're playing or have had games rescheduled, as in Chelsea, Liverpool and Wolves, they're all playing during those weeks. So there's I don't think there's any chance uh, at all um, <laughs> that we can get those games rescheduled for those gaps. There's going to be 18 days. That's ridiculous. Anyway, there's my morning rant about how little Arsenal there's going to be in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but I hope you're doing good. hope you're doing well. We've got four games until we have to go through that drought uh, without Arsenal. That'll be 18 daily shows without a game in between. That's going to be mad. Anyway, um, I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. Uh, we've got Matt G, we've got Lars, we've got Erfan, we've got Arta um, saying, having watched Watkins last night, I don't want Vlaovic. Watkins is perfect uh, for what we want. The classic recency bias. <laughs> All I would say is go w- watch Watkins throughout the whole of the season. And also go listen to my chat with Clive. We have a really good discussion about Watkins and probably why he isn't the guy that's the, the the option for us in the long term. Jay Dunn, good morning to you. Titus, Colin, Sanjeev, Skynet. Uh, we've got Anthony, we've got Liam, we've got Louis George, uh, we've got Robert, we've got Russell and Junior, and so many more of you. Well, good morning to everyone that's tuning in this morning. As always, good morning to the TGT family. Thank you for making this part of your morning routine. As per, please do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. It takes you just a second. You literally just... just just click it. That's that's all you're doing. Just just click it uh, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already as well. We start by telling you, as always, to go over and subscribe to the Arsenal way. I'll be live over there 
uh, I think with Bailey uh, this morning at 9.30 a.m. Just having a quick check of the schedule. Uh, I think it is indeed with Bailey. It's the 11th this morning. And yes, me and Bailey will be on there with Chris again too. So myself, Chris and Bailey will be there at 9.30 a.m. So make sure you're checking that out. And uh, if you didn't watch yesterday's show, we did a dedicated dedicated breakdown of Artur Mello, uh, the Juventus midfielder. So do make sure if you haven't done so already, after you've watched this show, of course, go over and give that a watch. It gives you all the breakdown of how good he is. Arsenal are being linked with a low move for the Brazilian midfielder. So it's up to you whether you want to get up to date with whether he or not he is kind of the right player for Arsenal to sign. So that is up on the channel as well. We start though with the news reporting that Liverpool and Pressure is being put on the Football League to investigate Liverpool's reported uh, proposal to postpone the first leg of the League Cup semi-final against Arsenal. Klopp confirming yesterday rather famously that, because it's, I mean, it's spread like wildfire all over our social media feeds, that Liverpool recorded a number of false positive tests. Now, I did a little bit of background research, went over to the uh, database of national statistics, and the likelihood of getting a false positive test is between 0.8 and 4.3%, supposedly, uh, for PCRs, I believe that is. So the fact that they had a lot of false positives, I mean, isn't that likely? So I would certainly back any investigation, whether or not that changes anything is, you know, I doubt it, but it just seems a little bit odd, um, a little bit unlikely, uh, very unlikely uh, that they would have so many false positive tests in one week. But that's what Klopp's decided to tell everyone, which has kind of created a bit of a problem for himself. We'll see how this story develops and we'll keep you up to date with everything that happens. Now we move on to following Balogun, who is expected after recovering from COVID to complete his medical with Middlesbrough. Uh, the young youth striker will spend the rest of the season with, uh, I was going to say Dean Smith. It's not Dean Smith, it's Chris Wilder. Uh, Chris Wilder's side in the championship. They have just signed Connolly from Brighton. So we'll be competing with a few strikers to get regular minutes in the first team. But... I do look forward to seeing what Balogun can do in the championship and hopefully it gives him plenty of senior experience so he can come back into the fray next season ready and prepared to try to earn a place in Arsenal's lineup. Now, another story that broke yesterday was that supposedly, according to Team Talk, that Lacazette has been offered a two-year contract by Arsenal. Now, I did the press box show yesterday with my colleague at Football.London, Kaya Kainak, and I asked him, about how he felt about these reports. And whilst, of course, you're not going to go and outright deny um, that this isn't the case, Kaya himself and the sources around him had not heard anything along the lines of a contract being offered to Lacazette. Doesn't mean it's not happened, of course, but that's kind of the conflicting information that's going on. There are reports that a two-year deal has been put forward and there are other reports saying that there has nothing been heard along those lines as of yet. So keep... You know, keep up to date with this. We'll keep you flowing with this deal. But in terms of how I feel about a possible low, um, uh, a two-year contract for Lacazette, I, I get the idea, but it only makes sense if you can move on Aubameyang. If you can't move on Aubameyang, it makes no sense to do this because Aubameyang's contract is so big that it's no point keeping him and a possible striker signing at the club on high wages. You'd have to move one of them on. Um, if we do give him a contract, it does tell me that Aubameyang's future, at least, surely is up and done at the club at this point in time. 
Now we move on to the possible transfers, ins and uh, outlet for Fishalis, Fishalis, uh, who is not, they're not the most reliable. In fact, they're, they're not really that reliable at all. But it is still reported that Arsenal have stepped up their efforts to try and sign Ginny Vijnaldum this morning. As always, we look at the report, I tell you how I think about it, and I don't think there's too much credibility at the moment in this. It's not to say that Arsenal won't step up their efforts to sign Vijnaldum later on in the window, but as of this moment in time, I have my, you know, my doubts about this. Um, but supposedly, uh, Vijnaldum, are, uh, Vijnaldum is still a target, but Arsenal, for my money, I don't think have yet stepped up efforts to sign him on loan, despite reports coming out from Fajales. Danilo, interestingly, uh, two French clubs are credited with an interest now in Danilo. Lille and Monaco have joined Arsenal in their interest, have all supposedly made inquiries. I do think this has information, has credibility to it, because despite those initial reports claiming that Arsenal had made an offer, in my conversation with CBS Sports' Ben Jacobs the other day, he confirmed that whilst there is interest from Arsenal, no offer has yet been made by the club. And that certainly corroborates with this report that both Arsenal, Monaco and Lille now too have all made inquiries about Danilo, but not an offer as of yet. So the Danilo story, it's not accelerating as quickly as some may initially have felt. I'm going to hold off on the uh, the tactical breakdown for the moment on him just until we get some more concrete links to the player. Uh, now, Arta Cabral, the Brazilian striker playing for Basel, has been speaking about his own future. He says, I don't know if I'll stay with Basel. A transfer depends on innumerable factors. Very good word. Of course, I hear the rumours. My teammates ask me about them in the dressing room. I don't know whether I will stay or go. Every move involves risks. It's always a new country, a new language, a new climate, but I am not afraid of it. My dream is the Premier League. I'm a big fan of English football. That doesn't mean I will. I wouldn't move to Spain or Italy as well. Arsenal have been previously credited with a move uh, for Arta Cabral as a possible kind of second striker to the striker that we could go for. If we lose both Amamiang and Lacazette, it would leave us quite weak uh, in, in kind of the depth in that position. So perhaps he's someone of a, a reasonable fee that we could go for. So that would be very interesting if we indeed, indeed push for that. Now, bad news involving Bruno Gimelaes, unfortunately, with Juventus said to be in talks with Leon about a loan with a possible obligation to buy the player around 45 million euros. This strikes me as a deal that frustrates uh, because everybody knows how much I enjoy watching Bruno Gimelaes. In fact, I've got an article that's gone out this very morning talking about the player and talking about how good he was against PSG and how he basically puts on the perfect display of why we should be looking to sign him uh what was frustrating about obviously that side of things was that it just doesn't look like Arsenal can do more than one of those things and because of that situation it does mean that a club like Juventus have swooped in sorted out talks with Leon, and you know alone with an obligation is a very smart piece of business. I'm just, I struggle to get my words out of this story because it is so frustrating. It's happening time and time again. I get my hopes up about a player and then it just looks like it would fall apart and they're going to go and join somebody else, which, you know, it's just part and parcel of football. I've had it with Asensio. We've had it with Zoboslav. I've had it with Eden Hazard. All the players that I've been desperate for Arsenal to sign, I've obviously ended up somewhere else in the end. And that's fine. But when it's the idea that, the Juventus can come in with a loan with an obligation of around 45 million euros. That is certainly something that is very accessible for Arsenal. Arsenal could also try and complete a deal of this type. And I don't know why they wouldn't try and attempt to, you know, 
jump into those talks and muscle their way into a loan with an obligation because that's the perfect kind of deal for the player and for Arsenal and it wouldn't stop them from going after their big striker either. So I find that a bit odd that if that is the case that Arsenal would not have pushed forward with that type of deal Um, and if it is the case that that ends up happening with Juve I would be absolutely surprised. However, it does open up the possibility of Juventus of course um, being more open to allowing one of their central midfielders to leave and maybe that will open up a path for Arsenal to sign either one of Artur or Arabio, someone like that um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Artur looks the most likely of the pair with him being actually credited as someone that Arsenal are interested in. Uh, and if you want to know more about him, you can go and watch my tactical breakdown on Artur yesterday, or you can go and watch my tactical breakdown on Bruno Gomares that uh, came out the other day as well. Um, Juventus, in terms of their finances, would only be looking to do a loan during the winter window. They may have more money available to them in the summer because of the sales they would want to be making. So that's why the loan with the obligation makes sense. But watch this space and we'll keep you up to date, of course, with this story as it unfolds. Uh, Looking now at Vlaovic, uh, the headline story of the day. According to Sammy Mockbell, uh, Arsenal are very much willing to do everything they can to try and convince Dusan Vlaovic to join Arsenal, even if that means committing to a deal which could total around £150 million. That would include transfer fee, signing on fee, intermediary fees, and the wage of the full contract as well. With those wages, staggeringly reported at a figure that touches that £300,000 marker once again. It is not the first time that Arsenal have been uh, you know, linked with a move or linked with a contract renewal of a player that could be ending up on as much as £300,000. We know that Mesut Ozil was given a contract at this amount and similar to this amount. And we know that Dusa, uh, we know that Aubameyang was also given a contract which amounts to something similar to that figure as well. And both of those moves obviously have looked to be errors on the part of the club to commit that much money to those two players it has looked to be an error and they did not manage to kind of continue on what they were doing to justify those contracts in the first place. There is a difference with this one. Let's try and look at this from two different sides. Let's look, Okay, let's tackle this from a negative perspective first and then we'll go for the positive perspective. The negative of this is he's 21 years of age. He has had a couple of seasons at the top level of which he's done very well. There's no guarantee that he moves to the Premier League and adapts and plays the same level that he's been playing in Serie A. And so therefore, to commit this amount of money to the player is a massive risk. We know what's happened with Pepe and how much we invested in Pepe and how that went and how historically record signings go for a lot of clubs. You look at Lukaku, you look at Pepe. Um, I'm sure there's another one I'm thinking of as well that it's just just hasn't gone right. I mean, Manchester United arguably with Maguire, um, I, I, record transfers in general are always a bit of a struggle for clubs. Um, and it's actually quite ironically rare that they end up doing really, really well. You do see it in some cases, Kylian Mbappe at PSG. However, he stayed in the same league when he moved from Monaco to PSG. You look at Eden Hazard moving from the Premier League to La Liga with Real Madrid and how that one's going to know injuries affected him. Injury is something that could have affected, uh, Anyone that signed the player, and it could affect Vlaovic if we choose to sign him the player. Reggie Perry, Grealish, £100 million to Manchester City in the same league. It does seem to be, and that sort of things, that it would be far too much of a risk. Clive Palmer, Clive, do go check out my chat with Clive on the channel. 
Vlaovic, walk away. That's too much for cash and destroys dressing room unity. Here's the other side of the argument for the sake of balance. It's not my money. <laughs> Which is what I always say. It's not my money. So from my perspective, you know, it doesn't affect me in any way. Um, there is also the idea, and I tweeted this out yesterday, if Arsenal want to close the gap with the clubs that they have, you know, are desperate to try and get near to, your cities, your Chelsea's, your, your Liverpool's of this world, they're going to need to make signings where players are going to want to come in for big, big wages. Vlaovic is, at the moment, considered in that bracket of elite strikers on the continent. He's considered, bar Haaland, arguably the most exciting young forward in the world right now. Um, and if Arsenal want to try and get a deal done for a player of this calibre and a player that's considered to be developing into this kind of bracket of, of players, that's probably what you're going to have to go and play. There is also the side of uh, things where this may not be the case. Uh, it may not be the case that £300,000 per week is what he would be on. It may not be the case that he would cost as much as being reported near £150 million worth of investment. It may not be that. But if we're going on the basis that it is that, then obviously we can have a greater discussion about things. The other side of things is why it's different to Urzu and Abamyang is because this is not someone who is on the down slope. Both Urzil and Abamyang signed those £300,000 per week contracts where the length of that contract represented a portion of their careers that was going to naturally be on the decline. The problem is, or rather the, the opposite to this is, is that you're signing Vlaovic at a point in his career where you've still got 10 more years of natural upward trajectory relative to how much you're paying him i i myself struggle to commit myself to say that i'd be fine with it being on that amount of money but again i do look at it and go it would be great for arsenal to sign someone of this kind of caliber and it would be this transformative for the club does it destroy dressing room unity as clive just raised in the chat box i think it's fair to raise the point but what I would say is that I, in Arsenal's case anyway, Aubameyang's contract, when he signed that £300,000 per week contract, did not destabilise the dressing room. It was nothing to do with the amount of money that he was on. What destabilised the dressing room, or not, yeah, I don't think it even destabilised the dressing room, to be honest, the issue with Aubameyang was his professionality, you know, his professionalism, rather, is, is a word. Um, the wage was never a real problem. The issue on this side of things, of course, is it's a 21-year-old being given this amount of money when you've got players like, you know, Bakaya Saka that's on less than 50 grand a week. I also found out that following Balogun's on £40,000 per week, which sounds ridiculous considering he's barely played in the senior side, but that's how much they wanted to keep him. It also, what's interesting also about this is that for a long, long time, we've, you know, we've complained that the ownership and that the club don't spend enough money. They don't invest. They're not willing to do what's necessary to help us close the gap with those teams above us. But we spent more than any other team in the summer of 2021. And it looks to be that we could spend more than any other team in January of 2022. And there's no sign that this is going to slow down either. And that, you know, from Josh Kroenke's perspective anyway, that, you know, they're very much open for Arsenal to be investing in players, even after the mistakes of the past with Nicolas Pepe, Xhaka, Mustafi, all of these guys that we spent a huge amount on, a Lacazette, a Bamier, not a Bamier, Lacazette certainly, where the transfer fee just didn't really reflect what the output of those players has been. So it's interesting where we sit now as a club and what kind of the foresight of how much we're willing to spend and what they're trying to do and the ambitions of the club are. 
alongside the whole continuous rhetoric of Kroenke out and that. Something to, you know, just bear in mind. I do want to get your thoughts in the chat box and how you feel about this. Are you in support of the idea that you think it's if that's what it takes to get him in, go and get him in? Or do you think it's far too much of an investment? And if so, we should be moving for someone else. Tell me your reasons as to why you sit on that side of the fence or which side of the fence. I lean slightly off the fence in the side of, you know, going and doing what's capable of getting him just because I think it would be, it's it's one of those moves that is going to help us, you'd hope anyway, close the gap between ourselves and the teams above us. And if we're going to try and do that, we're going to have to make moves like this and we're going to have to act like a club that spends quite like those clubs do. Otherwise, we're just going to remain in this perpetual purgatory of back and forth trying to get into the Champions League. This could be a signing that takes us to that next step. Am I willing to see us invest this much money as a risk that could get us there after many, 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 many years of being patient and watching Arsenal sit in a little bit of kind of this purgatory, as I describe, I am more open to Arsenal being bolder. I am more open for Arsenal being risky, especially when we've been very savvy in the market recently with some of the signings that we've brought in to enable us to go quite big, maybe for one specific player again. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, Raf, who's one of our podcast regulars, says, my issue isn't about the money as much. I just feel uncomfortable with the fact that he doesn't seem overly keen. He isn't saying, I want to come here. Here are my terms. It seems like he wants other clubs. Raf, I'd, I'd slightly disagree in the sense, in the end part of your comment, I don't think you're ever going to hear that from a striker. Any like, I don't think you're ever going to hear that from most players because the problem is, is that our perspective of Arsenal is obviously sometimes clouded by our bias and our love of the club. We're also now in a stage where the Invincibles and the 90s and, you know, all the successful teams of of, of years gone by, the, the, the kids that are coming through now, they didn't grow up with those players anymore. And Arsenal are not viewed in the same way. Historically, yes, it's a club. They're still very much known as a club that have been one of the most successful, consistent teams on the planet in the past. But we don't have that same draw as we did 10 years ago for the stature of this team as it was. I'm not saying that, you know, we're not a longer a big club, but you have to understand that Arsenal's situation in the last 10 years has meant that the players, when they develop, have not been exposed to that time of success. So that knock that Raul Sanyehi famously talked about, I don't see it as highest of weight. And there are going to be a lot of other clubs that, you know, are more attractive. Like for Italian, especially for a guy that's playing in Serie A, Juventus, Near on guarantee you trophies every year. This season doesn't look to be the case, but that's because they've lacked a striker this whole season. And Vlaovic going into say Juventus could solve that problem entirely, although they don't look like they're going to be in the race. You've then got teams like Manchester City, Real Madrid, arguably even PSG, should they lose Mbappe next season, next summer. And Vlaovic will be looking at those clubs and thinking, I know I could probably move to one of those teams because I've put myself onto a pedestal, especially if he continues that goal record that he's currently on into the second half of the campaign with Fiorentina, then he's going to put himself in a bracket to be attainable by those clubs, especially with just a year left on his contract. So I don't necessarily blame him for being open and having his options open, but I do agree with you that there is still a slight issue for me about the motivation behind, you know, the... It's it's such a catch-22. It's so hard because I keep end up tra- nearly contradicting myself with my own thoughts about it because it's so hard to get over that. But I do have kind of the understanding of it too. Um, 
Marcus says, Tom, will Arsenal make, a, uh, make my youngest daughter Aoife's birthday and sign someone for her dad? Uh, we are desperate for a midfielder and rumours of more uh, positive cases. I hope so, Marcus. I hope for her sake we do. Or maybe it's not even for her sake, but it sounds like it's more for your sake, Marcus. Um, let's scroll up uh, a little bit higher and see if I missed some of the comments earlier on. Ruben says, starting to think Edu has let us down this window, considering when new AFCON was coming up, he let make the Niles go. Not having a centre midfielder lined up by now is looking unforgivable. I wouldn't go as far as saying unforgivable. Um, should have been sorted by November. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how we come out the other side of January. But the moment it doesn't look too good, does it? Um, the real Yanis, thank you so much for the donation, mate. Really appreciate that. Vlaovic or David, if you had to choose. Also, that video with Ben Joker is one of my favourites. Awesome. TGT Distant Relative. Um, look, you can't get David in this January window. So if you say Vlau, if you say David, you're resigning yourself to not getting a striker in January. That's the reality. David isn't moving in January. David will move in the summer. Vlaovic is gettable in January. And I lean towards Vlaovic out of the two right now. If just without any thought of finances, I lean towards Vlaovic at the moment because he's gettable now and it really could consolidate our efforts to getting into the top four this campaign. That's why I lean towards Vlaovic in this sense. Um, Dirk says, this guy would have to be a future Ballon d'Or winner to justify that. Do you think he has a higher ceiling than all of our top youth? Absolutely. Like This is someone whose record is a joke. Matching Cristiano Ronaldo's Serie A goal-scoring record in a year at the age of 21 is a staggering achievement. I, I put that up on Twitter yesterday. Someone replied to me saying, look how Ronaldo's done in the Premier League. I mean, talk about missing the point. He's, Ronaldo set a goal-scoring calendar year record in Serie A. It's not to do with his age. It's not to do with how he's done at Man United. The highest Serie A goal scorer for a calendar year was equaled by this 21-year-old striker. He has all the characteristics of a striker that would you know, change the way that we play, as Clive explained on my discussion with him the other day. He is... He would be a very, very, very good acquisition for Arsenal, but financially, it's such a huge risk. Answer says, I have a very bad feeling about this Vlaovic deal. My gut hardly ever lies. Paul says, when you compare that Cedric is paid and what Vlaovic wants, can you blame him for asking for top dollar? <laughs> uh, Matt G says, he's 21 years old. He doesn't see the club the way the fans see this club. HK says, seeing Vlaovic going for that much of money, I agree we need an absolute striker, but seeing currently not better investment more into the midfield. Uh, the reason why, and actually, I asked this question to Mo yesterday on the Arsenal Lounge. We have two league games before the AFCON players return. We have Spurs away, and then we have uh, Burnley at home. Now, how many points would you expect to get from those two games? In my mind, minimum of three. You'd hope for at least four, maybe even six, even with the players that we've got. If Xhaka returns, we've got, uh, you know, Sambi and Xhaka could hopefully play in the midfield on Sunday. You've got Tommy Asu coming back, Gabriel coming back, Ramsdale coming in. You'd hope that, and Lacazette starting, Tierney starting. You'd hope we'd have a much better side. They don't have Son. We are two games, a maximum of six points away from getting back Partey and El Elneny into the side. That's kind of how I'm looking at the midfield situation right now. Yes, we have the League Cup games as well, but to be honest, the League Cup is secondary to the league right now. I, I don't think there's many arguments to say that the League Cup is not secondary to our push to try and get into the top four this season. I love silverware, don't get me wrong, but getting into the top four would just... Was, would do so much more for this team than, than winning a League Cup. The League Cup now only qualifies you as well for the Conference League next season. So it's not like it gives us a Europa League place. So that's why I think that the midfield side of things and saying the midfield's more of a priority, I actually don't think that it is. 
The reason why I don't think that it is, is as I've explained, is because there is a lot more games this season where we are not going to have the squad depth in striker, where we are going to have the squad depth at centre midfield. We are going to have Partey and El Elneny and Xhaka and Lokonga and arguably Charlie Patino, possibly even a lone player that we bring in towards the end of the window. But actually up top, we have a real issue. We're a Lacazette injury away from a disaster, bearing in mind that Aubameyang doesn't look like he's going to be coming back anytime soon. So that's why I say that the striker is still very much more important for investment. Let's scroll down. Uh, and Oh, there's been another super chat. Dan Lewis, thank you so much, mate. Hi, Tom. Imagine this. If Haaland was desperate to join us, we'd throw everything at him. If Vlaovic wanted to come, give him a super yacht too. What I would say, and obviously there's a lot of talk around, you know, the idea that he doesn't necessarily want to come. We know that Mikel Arteta in particular is not really keen on signing players that aren't that keen themselves to join Arsenal. So I do struggle to get on board with the idea that he's not interested in the club whatsoever because I don't feel like Mikel Arteta would invest an arguable club record deal onto a player that wasn't that keen on coming to Arsenal. I have a feeling that, you know, he's open to the idea of Arsenal in the same way that he's open to the idea of joining a number of teams. And it's just going to be about assessing the options available to him and whether or not it's the right move. It's a really big move. If you think, try and take your Arsenal hat off for a second and think about the player. He's a 21-year-old striker whose stock is at the highest point of his career. Arguably, his stock only second to Haaland in Europe right now is at the highest possible peak. He can move practically in the summer almost anywhere he wants to. So when the idea of Arsenal coming for him and trying to push hard, they're going to need to push hard to try and get themselves up that queue to try and get hold of him. And, and that's the reality of the situation with, with, with a player like Vlaovic. Because if Arsenal want to compete with the Cities and the Real Madrids and the PSGs, which we haven't done in the market for a long, long time, arguably we, we came close in the summer with our record summer spending. But to do that, we are going to have to pay over the odds and pay a bit of a premium in order to match that type of spending. And that's where we're at kind of thing. Um, Jay says, uh, if we don't get him, it would really make me question Arsenal's ability and ambition. I don't look at that, Simon. To say categorically, if we don't get him, I would question our ambition. Just the fact that we are pushing hard and all of the reports and evidence out there suggest that Arsenal are pushing hard, it gives me optimism. It gives me encouragement for this club and the players, and the, not the players, sorry, the executives that are doing these and making these decisions, it gives me encouragement and hope that there is ambition there, that they're trying to do these types of deals. Um, Mashamba says, let Arteta bring in the best attacking centre forwards and one defensive and one attacking midfielder. Uh, QL uh, says 150 million over five years equates to 30 million a year in footballing terms. That is an astronomical, especially if Ivlaovic only gets better. It is not astronomical. And I mean, when you do phrase it like that, 30 million a season, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound huge. But if you said that we were signing one player on loan for 30 million quid for a year, then you'd be like, what? They'd have to be like the best striker on the planet. And that's what we would be hoping that Vlaovic would be, uh, is that's how much he would cost. And then we go and talk about the impact on the dressing room, whether or not that is a problem that does that would be a problem. But that's hypothetical, and we don't know whether or not it would do. What isn't hypothetical is the quality of the player. John, she says, Tom, Vlaovic feels like uh, uh, feels like uh, he's a camp, want to get as much money as possible, then every season worry that he's going to leave. I mean, Arsenal would look to put him onto a very long-term contract if they're going to invest that much money on him. If you feel like he's going to leave, I mean, you'd have to get a ridiculous amount of money at the same time to justify that too. So... I wouldn't worry about that at the start of things either. Elliot says, if you were Arsenal, 
What's the highest amount that you would pay Vlaovic per week? I wouldn't say whatever he wants. Like realistically, I would look how much is on now, which I believe is £26,000 per week. I would look at how much we're paying players. And I think Lacazette's on 180 odd thousand pounds per week. I'd look at Saka being on how much he's on and he needs to pay rise. Martinelli needs to pay rise. Balogun is on £40,000 per week, as I said, which is mad. Um, you've got a player like Kalasinac on £100,000 per week. The dressing room is fractured and it's not balanced yet in terms of their wage bill. And that makes it very difficult to accurately estimate what I think is probably the right amount. £200,000 a week, is that too much? Like, When do you say too much is too much? Is paying him more than Lacazette's on right now too much? It's really hard. And I, honestly, I don't think I can accurately, Elliot, answer the question with the right answer. Um, Adil says, hi, Tom. Why is it taking so much time to sign him? Bid was placed eight days ago. He is not interested. Um, just because a bid is placed does not mean that a club has to accept or reject it in that moment. Um, and things like this take a long, 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 long time. I mean, you think about how long Man United chased Jaden Sancho for to get that deal done. Things don't take days. It's not FIFA. Um, unfortunately, and these things do take a long, 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 long time to sort out. Uh, HK says, what's your view on our links to Vinealdum? Really think we should be getting him, uh, let me just close this, uh, maybe a loan to continue on our ongoing team plan. If you told me that we were getting Vinealdum on loan for the rest of the season, I think that would be a very savvy move and it would bring in some good experience, good quality into the midfield uh, and a very versatile player as well. Uh, Ant says, remember Locatelli? He didn't want to come, but Arteta kept chasing him for over a month. Again, there's a difference between Locatelli and Vlaovic. Um, and to say we kept chasing him over a month, we put a bid in. I mean, we put a bid in for Locatelli and it was rejected by Sassuolo because the player didn't want to move. Uh, we then ended up moving else for other players, different positions at the end of the window. Vlaovic, there's a difference. Juve are not in the race this time. There isn't a club that are outright um, more favourites to sign Vlaovic than us. At the moment, Arsenal are the favourites to sign Vlaovic right now. That is the situation. That was never the case for Locatelli. Arsenal were never the favourites for him. So there is a difference between the two situations. Um, Drew says, rather get Cabral now and go for David or DCO in the summer. And that, to be honest, wouldn't be a bad move because uh, Cabral is a very capable and high goal-scoring striker right now playing in Switzerland. Yes, for Basel, yes. But then to move for, say, David later on makes sense. And then you could invest even heavily, even more heavily in midfield in this January window if you wanted to. So it's not a bad idea. Uh, Zaid, uh, uh, Zaid uh, I believe, says, Morning, Tom. Do you reckon we're desperate to sign Vlaovic uh, because it's January and choices are scarce? I think we should wait till the summer. No, I think the reason why we're looking to sign Vlaovic in January is because it's our only chance to sign him. If you wait till the summer, he is not someone that is going to be gettable because, as I say, a lot of other clubs are going to be in a greater and stronger position to sign him in that summer window. The reason why we're going for him now is because we know we can jump ahead of the queue, if you like, to go for him in this winter window. Adam says, given that my national team did the job yesterday, when can we expect Partey to get back from AFCON if Ghana doesn't go through? Um, Ghana, as far as we have, what is it, Cosmos and um, uh, Gabon, uh, ironically, uh, in their group. So I expect Ghana will still go through, but the earliest we could get him back is the 20th of January, uh, or the 18th, I think, is the last day they finish, but probably the 20th is the earliest we get him back, maybe before the Berlin game, but I, I doubt it. Uh, Mr. Joker says, does the signing of Dushan on these reported figures signal we have a buyer for Aubameyang and his wages? I'd hope so. You would think so, but maybe not. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, Joe. Um, 
Nick says, I thought Cabral would have possible work permit problems. This is also true. Uh, and I think there is an issue on that side of things. And I think Oliver Zeziger brought that up to me, actually. There could be an issue on that side of things with that possible deal. Um, King Creo says, if we had a manager with clout, it would be easier to sign some of these players. I mean, if that was the case, we wouldn't have signed six players in the summer. Um, does a player, like, does a manager like Antonio Conte hold more weight than Arteta? Absolutely. I don't think that's up for debate. But I don't think this is down to the manager. Um, so again, I wouldn't put that on him. We signed six players. We brought in Thomas Partey. We brought in Gabriel. That's two in, in the summer of 20, 2020. And then 2021, we added six more players. We convinced Erdegaard to leave Real Madrid. Brought in Ben White from Brighton for 50 million quid. Aaron Ramsdale. Um, who else am I forgetting? Nuno Tavares, Sambi Lakonga, Takahiro Tomiyasu. Like we've signed in players that have all made an impact for the team and Arteta was manager. So I wouldn't put it down to Arteta at all. Uh, Callum says, I would throw the bucket at him. The best prospect in Europe and hopefully this is like the Aubameyang transfer without the disciplinary issues. Um, Arsenal legend says, Tom, if we knew we had AFCON, why are we struggling to get a midfielder in and Bruno going to Juventus? I mean, we don't know if he's going to Juventus yet. That is just a report. So let's not lose our minds over it. Um, it'll be very frustrating if it does happen. Um, but what I would say is with the AFCON, I agree with you. We've known this is coming for a long, long time and we should have been prepared. The only reason for it is because the players that Arsenal want are at clubs that don't really want to get, don't want to be open to losing them, the players that they want to uh, sign. And they're not, Arsenal are in a position where they aren't really looking to sign players for the sake of signing players. Now they're in a position where they are only signing players if they genuinely see a long-term future for those players, rather than just stop gaps, as I just, as Kai Kainat described in our chat yesterday on the Arsenal way. Uh, it's they don't they're not interested in doing stop gap deals and temporary deals. Really, they're only looking to invest in players that genuinely have a long-term future, and that's what you've seen recently with the players that we brought in. Uh, Iconic, thank you so much for the donation, mate. Did you hear about Liverpool being investigated? Yeah, we talked about it at the start of the video. Um, thanks for the uh, nice donation, mate. Do go scroll back to the start of the video. We do talk it about a little bit there. But it's it's ridiculous, is what it is, in short. HK says, also, if by any chance Vlaovic doesn't turn up, how we expect him to, fingers crossed, seeing his age, it wouldn't be a bad deal. Selling him at a higher price too at a later stage. And that's kind of the context I'm trying to apply to this, is that it's not like Ozil, it's not like a Bamiyang. Those were players that when they signed those mega contracts at the end or latter stages of their careers, where at that point, they were only expected to decline. Whereas Vlaovic is only expected to improve and based upon his goal scoring numbers right now, an improvement on them would be quite staggering. Um, King says, I remember a time when players would say, I want to come to work with Wenger. Not the same. It's not the same right now. And, you know, he's got to put himself into a position where he is going to be like that. But from all accounts, players that have been working under Arteta that are playing for him and are willing to work in his system speak very, very highly of him. Um, fun trick says if Vlaovic guaranteed to be as good as a Bamiang in his best at Arsenal, would you think that Arsenal should pay the amount? I mean, if it was a Bamiang at his best, which we, as we know is a 20 to 30 goal a season striker at 21, that in addition to the goals that we're getting from other players on the pitch would help us get into the top four. So, you know, on that basis, you would go, yeah, it makes absolute sense. Um, Pepe, arguably in that bracket, in terms of uh transfer fee yes but obviously not in terms of the the figure plus with the the pepe things a little bit of an anomaly because of the the, the side of things that went on with raul sanyehi it's a bit different the pepe one doesn't fall in the same kind of bracket only that you're talking about figures for a specific player pepe 
I, I don't look at I don't look at Pepe in the same way that I look at Vlaovic. Pepe had so many different kind of mitigating circumstances where he was playing, the position he was coming into the team, the system of the team that he came from. All of those things meant that Pepe was always going to find it a challenge in the Premier League. And then when he ch- and then when you change manager as well during the time that he's at the club, that's also going to make things more tricky too. This would be Arteta's striker. Uh, and if you look at all the signings that he's made so far in the last, let's say, uh, 18 months or so, if you think about the summer signings that we made in 2020, bar Willian, Gabriel, good. Partey, you know, I, I say good. I think he could give us a lot more. Erdogan, good. Nuno Tavares has been very good cover for Tierney. <laughs> Nottingham Forest performance aside. Um, as I say, Erdogan has been good already. Lakonga, I think we've all become to like Lakonga. He needs to develop. He's still young. Good signing. Ben White, good signing. Tommy Asu, good signing. Ramsdale, good signing. And Arsenal have improved. Arsenal have gone from a team finishing outside the, the top eight, the top seven, to now being in fourth place in the league. Add a striker, I'd be really interested to see what Arteta could do with the team. Billy says, absolutely, Tom. When Mbappe signed for PSG for £140 million after one fantastic season, everyone said, old PSG have unlimited money. Arsenal are trying to do the same. Everyone freaks out. Uh, Nathan, when did I start supporting Arsenal? As long as I can kind of remember, really. Um, yeah, as long as I can remember, Nathan. Uh, Jake says, Arteta doesn't want any players, but his own, what he's done to Pepe is a disaster. I don't think it's a disaster. I, d- I don't think Pepe's been good enough, personally. Um, and I don't blame Arteta for that. Uh, Miameno says, Tom, I think we should buy that lad. Uh, Jade Spence bullied us and outpaced Martinelli. I wouldn't sign a player based on one performance, uh, but I've not seen enough of him to to know whether or not he would be a good um, depth signing at right back. So I couldn't tell you an answer. But based on one game, I wouldn't make a judgment. That is where we're going to wrap things up. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning as always. There's nearly 900 of you watching. Please, if you haven't done so already, drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. We do these shows every single day at 8 a.m. We'll be covering plenty of Arsenal's transfer targets. The more that come out, the more that we'll cover, the more that we'll look into in more detail. We had yesterday a specific show on our tour Mello from Juventus go up. We've already done Brudig and Malash and plenty of other targets too. I will see you a little bit later on on the Arsenal way, which will be live in just under an hour's time. Link to the channel is in the description. We're nearly at 7,000 subs over there, so please do go and subscribe over there as well. See you very, very soon, guys. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.